Well, good morning. We've been uh, talking a little bit about the millennium over the last few podcasts, a couple of podcasts over the last week or so, and um, we talked about how uh, uh, the millennium is really part of a sequence of events in the last days, um, beginning from our perspective at this point in time, you could argue um, clearly the last days began really in Acts uh, chapter uh, 2, as uh, Peter gave his sermon and spoke of the reference to Joel, chapter 2 is uh, defining the beginning of the last days. But in our time, uh, now that Israel has come back to the land, uh, as we find ourselves looking for the coming of Christ, we wonder if the next event on the horizon is going to be the rapture, or maybe Ezekiel 38 and 39. I'm pulling for the rapture. Woo. But uh, we'll see how that all works out. But uh, along the way, as, as, as things unfold, we eventually come to this point called the millennium, this thousand-year reign of Christ, where we rule and reign with him uh, during that period of time. And so um, what I thought I would do today is something a little bit different. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and read uh, from Revelation 19.11 uh, through the rest of the book and just let the scripture kind of speak about those things that are to come uh, starting with uh, really the events leading into the time of the millennium and then on into eternity. And so, um, you know, if you have your Bible ready and you want to read along, I'm reading out of the ESV, so if you have one, it'll read comfortably. If you just want to listen, that's really great too. And just let these words sort of wash over you and flood your hearts and minds. These are the words that describe the uh, leading up to and including the the crescendo. This is the culmination of all the things that God has ultimately been doing and working toward uh, throughout all of man's history, really from eternity uh, before all the way up now to reaching its its apex, its climax in the story of redemption and what it, and, and his intention on how it all comes together at the end. So I'm going to go ahead again, starting in chapter 19, verse 11 of the book of Revelation. John, who, by the way, I, I as I'm reading through some of these passages, you wonder what John must have felt like as he watched the sweep and the scope of these things unfold, as he sort of stands looking at the events as they take place, not participating in them so much as just observing and watching. And you can imagine the uh, the emotion that he may have felt in various times, you know, when earlier in the book, when the scroll is there and, and it's uh, this, this title deed to the earth, if you will. And there's nobody found worthy to open the scroll. And, and, and John begins to sob convulsively uh, because there's nobody worthy until the lamb comes and opens it. But um, as he watches these events unfold, you can imagine it's not he's watching a movie. He's watching history in advance take place, both seeing what's happening on the earth, but also watching from heaven's perspective. It had to be overwhelming in so many ways, and certainly no less so, uh, not the least in these uh, words that we're going to read today. So uh, again, I'm, I'm probably not going to really comment much along the way, if at all, but just go ahead and, and just, uh, I'm going to read these words starting in J uh, Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in the righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword." when with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who was in its presence, uh, who in its presence had done the signs by which he had deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit, the abyss, and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended, and this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he, uh, is, is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, we see them once again, to gather them for battle. Their numbers are like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence the earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. The death, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Wow. He will, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcer sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last uh, seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God as radiance like, most, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On, <clears throat> on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall... Uh, of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with its rod twelve thousand stadia, or about fourteen hundred miles. Its length and its width and its height are equal. He also measured its wall, a hundred and forty-four cubits, by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third gate, the fourth, uh, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh uh, chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrys uh, chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of a sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. <clears throat> By its light then will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. there will bring in, they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, uh, bright as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding it its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of, uh, of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever." And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. 
And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers the evil still do evil, let the filthy still be filthy, and let the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Three times there just in that last chapter. Surely I'm coming soon. The expectancy that we ought to live with is something that brings tremendous hope. The ultimate outworking of the things that God has planned from eternity past is truly coming upon us. We're living in the days that are leading right up to that. Wow. So think on these things. Let these things be the undercurrent of your Christian life. Uh, If I may, you know, we're living in a political season and we talk about these things on this podcast. Nonetheless, our faith is not in politics. We participate because we're supposed to be salt and light. But at the end of the day, uh, much like Paul, we're ambassadors who work here. We're from another place now that we've been born again, where citizenship is in heaven. And therefore, we look forward with great anticipation to that glorious hope, that blessed hope of the appearing of our Savior. And even prior to his second coming, we look forward to being snatched away as his bride as he comes for us and takes us home. And so there is a lot to be done in the time that still remains, and God will give us sufficient time for it. But help us, Lord, help us to never take our eyes off what ultimately is the prize, and that is to be with him forever and ever. It won't be about the beauty of the streets of gold. We'll be walking on it. It's not going to be about um, any of the peripherals that so often captivate us in our, in our Christian practice today, but rather at the heart of all of it, just like we read here, what really gives heaven its light, what really is the glorious center of all that exists in heaven and really and throughout space, time, the universe, everything, is the Lord. And so one day we'll get to see him face to face and no longer will there be struggling and strife. There will be no more crying. There will be no more weeping. Everything will be as God had intended it to be and we'll be there as believers to enjoy it. And so with that said, you know, we we like to give opportunity for those who hear things like this and come to understand uh, the harsh reality that by our own sin and by our own choice, we end up outside of these things. But that doesn't have to be that way. Today can be the day that you enter into a right relationship with God, where you receive the grace and forgiveness that Jesus has afforded us in paying our debt at the cross, uh, our alienation from God brought back into harmony. And that's something that Jesus invites you to receive. And ultimately, 
in the hope and knowledge that one day, when you see him face to face, it will be with no shame, it'll be with no fear, it'll be, if there are any tears in heaven at all, uh, they're going to be tears of joy. But certainly there will be nothing to weep over. Your sin has been washed away. And so let me invite you, much as the scriptures often do, to come and to receive, to respond to the good news, to ultimately make it personal, and to, for Jesus himself, not only to reign in heaven, but to reign in your heart. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray now. Father, we want to come before you together. Uh, Father, though we're separated by whatever miles there may be as we're uh, joined together here on this, uh, you know, through the internet and or such as it is, we thank you, Father, that, uh, that that distance means very little. But Father, what means everything is that you're here with us wherever we're sitting. And we just pray that, Lord, our hearts would be broken over our sin, that we'd recognize our separation from you, that we'd understand that apart from the finished work of Christ, apart from his shedding his blood on the cross, apart from his taking our sin upon his own shoulders and ultimately paying that debt once and for all, apart from that, we have no hope. But because of that, there is hope. And it's a hope that is fulfilled in Christ. And so, Father, for those who are watching and are hearing these words, I pray that in their own hearts they'd recognize their need and no longer would they put it off, no longer would they push you away, no longer would they continue down the path of destruction that they're walking on, but instead would today hand their hearts over to you and allow you to give them a new one. Father, I just pray that in this moment we would see many come to faith. If that's you, let me invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I admit to you full-on confess to you that I am a sinner, that I've rebelled against you by living my own way and setting you aside, thinking that my ways are better. But Father, all that's brought me is sin and shame. All that's done is to destroy me. But I thank you that Jesus came to wipe away the shame, to restore that which was destroyed, to bring life where there was only death. And I thank you that in my deadness and sin, the life of Jesus ultimately comes to change that. And thank you that Jesus paid for my sins once and for all on the cross, having taken my debt upon himself and paid it off fully. I thank you that he died for my sins and that he rose again the third day to everlasting life, letting me know that there is hope beyond the grave, that I no longer have to be afraid to see you because Jesus took my sins away. And so I put my trust in him, and I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk with you in the days that remain. Help me to live a life that is different than the life I lived before, not in my own power, but because now you live within me to help me. And I just pray that, Father, I would bless you with my life until the day I see you face to face, unashamed, forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love for me and your grace toward me. Thank you for saving me and setting me free. And thank you for the day that is soon coming when I'll get to see you face to face. I praise you and thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to let me know. Uh, I want to make sure that you have a Bible that, uh, that maybe can help you find a good, solid Bible teaching church that will take the Word of God and open it week after week and read it to you and help you understand it. A place where you can sit alongside of other people who want to grow in their faith as well, and you can all help each other and walk side by side uh, until the day he comes for us. And so 
Um, let me encourage you to let me know. You can comment below in our, on our YouTube channel. You can go to my website at parsonspad.com where these videos are also posted, where you can also comment. You can also email me from that website as well. Again, it's parsonspad.com. Or uh, you can also email me from the church that I pastor at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can email me through that as well. And uh, I'm not going to ask you for anything. I'm not going to try and get something from you. But instead, what I want to do is, again, make sure you've got a Bible. Make sure you can begin to take those first steps. And I'll encourage you to watch our podcast, another Bible teaching podcast, where you can learn the Word of God and you can learn what it means to follow Jesus. And you can understand the nature, the character of God. You can come to know Him in such a full way. Uh, as we study the Word of God, that Word that He's given us about Himself in the Bible. So, uh, praise the Lord, and thanks for watching as always. And uh, and we'll continue to open the Scriptures and go through it again uh, next time as well. And I encourage you to join in as we do. So, thanks for watching, and God bless you, and we'll see you next time.